Christ Community Church. So glad to have you all here this morning. So glad to have you all here, who, uh, whoever you are, maybe you're joining us online, whenever you are doing that. Thank you. Uh, I have great expectations for this morning, though I have great expectations for God every morning when we come and meet together. As we get rolling, I would like to throw out a couple shout-outs. Uh, I, I don't know that she can hear this, but I'd like to uh, throw out a thank you to uh, Tim Garrison, who has been transitioning us from our terrible-looking winter parking lot to our slightly less terrible-looking summer parking lot, and uh, she's doing a great job on that, and if that's something you think you would like to help out with, please come and talk to me. If that's something you wouldn't like to help out with, but you'd be willing to help out with, come and talk to me. Uh, I'd also like to uh, throw out a thank you to uh, Maggie for uh, directing John and Diane on getting us coffee this morning. And uh, I hope you will thank them as well, because we all feel that way. And I'm sure Maggie will throw the props to John and Diane, but Maggie was running the show back there. I saw it. I witnessed it. It was all her. Uh, that's all I've got. Let's get rolling. I'm going to open this up with a word of prayer. Um, I will say, if you are new to us, if you've simply never done it before, either by uh, this door or at the Connect Center back there, I would encourage you to get a Connect card. Just to fill that out, just to let us know you were with us, but just to let us know you were here so we can connect with you, um, because you're one of our peoples now, and uh, we want to say hey to you. And uh, do also make sure to avail yourself of the prayer tree. I cannot commend the prayer tree enough. If there's anything going on in your life, or the life of somebody you care about that needs prayer, write it down on the prayer card, put it on the tree, and that will get sent out to our prayer team, and they are faithful and they are diligent. And we have seen God move mightily through this ministry. So don't ever hesitate to, uh, to make yourself um, to avail of that, to, to make it available to yourself. Uh, that being said, Father, I ask now that you would come, that you would dwell in this place. I, prepare you would, I, I pray you would prepare our hearts and our minds to lift our voices, to lift our minds to you, that you would set us in a mood of worship you would prepare us to, to reach down into our spirits and extol you and worship you and cry out to the, all of creation just how good you are, and that in doing so, you would remind us of your goodness and that you would open us up in truth and in spirit to receive your word, to commune with you this morning, to share this time as father and children. And that we would go from this place transformed for having been in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, 
guests lined up for the summer, uh, different weeks, uh, some different uh, folks will be coming to join us, and uh, the uh, Don Ashley is going to speak for us one Sunday, which is always a treat. Um, my friend Jane McKee from uh, Alaska Baptist Resource Network, uh, who uh, attended with us here for a while when he was between churches and now is traveling all over the state most of the time, actually was available on one of the Sundays I wanted him to come, and I, I love him so much. He's a great friend and uh, a good communicator of so he's going to join us uh, here in a few weeks. Uh, Randy Covington, who was here with us a couple of weeks ago, and prayed with us. He's the director of uh, the Alaska Baptist Resource Network. He'll be with us uh, one Sunday. And then uh, Michael Bunton, he's the pastor of Greater Friendship Baptist Church downtown, uh, one of our African-American church partners and such a dear friend, just a wonderful, wonderful man, is going to come in August. And uh, then at some point, I believe it's July, is it June? Jason, help me. Is it June or July? 17th? July 17th, I think, is the date. Don't quote me on that because I'm, I'm not thinking out that far. Uh, we're going to uh, join together with uh, True North Church um, outside, somewhere in this town, and have church together. And uh, so we'll be there with Philip Coleman and Colleen Wolf. And I feel like I missed somebody. Is that it? Was that all of them? Was there another one in there? I think that was it. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to listen to Jason, you know, again, throughout the summer as well, but that'll be great. Hey, look at that. How about that? So, uh, just look forward to those, and those will be times um, where we just have some variety, and we like to kind of try to keep things fresh around here, as well as uh, sometimes it's good to hear other voices that affirm the same things that we're teaching and talking about, who come from uh, similar perspectives that uh, can, can tell us about how God is teaching them. They're going to join us in the series. They're not going to branch off into something else. Uh, I've given each of them their week and what their text is for that week out of our series, and we'll see, uh, I hope, miraculously, how God just weaves those things together as we go along. So I look forward to that. Uh, you know, summer is going to arrive at some point. I'm not sure what we call this right now, although I'm not complaining. It's well, I was complaining this morning because it was 40, it was 40 degrees in my driveway with the sun shining, beaming, and if you stood in exactly, you know, it felt like a solar panel. Like if I just adjusted myself at exactly right, I could feel warmth from the sun. But other than that, oh, but, uh, but it does appear to be arriving, and so as always, we encourage you to uh, get out Enjoy the Alaska that is around you. Um, remember your church. If you can do something together when you go out, uh, do that. Invite friends to go along with you. And, uh, and just don't forget the Lord in the midst of your refreshing and recharging uh, as you do those things. And uh, continue to invite people to come with you to church. I think we're, we're 
spoke in a new uh, season. It's exciting to me. I, I love seeing what God is doing around us. Uh, Grace Works will hit the door tomorrow here at the church and begin transforming this place into a giant bunkhouse for hundreds and hundreds of missionaries who will come through this space in the next eight weeks, uh, beginning in the first of June, and uh, ministering to people in our community. So pray for them. It's a huge job to, to bring all of the equipment in that they need to bring in and set up rooms and gyms and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we do love to partner with them and we affirm the mission that they have in our community to reach out into the parks and, and minister to families and children. So uh, that'll be coming as well. So keep an eye out for that. And then lastly, I want to mention uh, we hosted here on Friday night a concert with Pipeline Vocal Project. I know Diana took time and a few other people. And it was a great show. It's a wonderful concert. And uh, they raised, uh, I think they're up to $5,000 now for relief for Ukraine, going to United Way through the Ukraine fund, which is fantastic. But the part that was even more fantastic to me was in the aftermath of that, talking with some of the other partners that we were partnered with, which was Amplify Alaska, Fox Life Studios, United Way, and we as the host providing the space, and I ran the sound, and they used our equipment and our lighting and all that stuff. Uh, was just the affirmation from those community partners to say, this worked really well, it was really easy, and we want to do more things together in the future in our community. And that was the goal. And uh, throughout their concert, uh, right at the top, there was the name of Christ Community Church on the lips of our MCs and our performers, uh, along with other sponsors thanking us for being a part of that. And that now gives me an opportunity and hopefully future us an opportunity to engage with these people and, Lord willing, have the opportunity to share the gospel. And that's what it's about. So uh, good on you for supporting that kind of mission and uh, hopefully look for some things coming down the road. All right? Good. So Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. It is uh, a rather large book in the Bible. If you've got a Bible with you or you want to uh, use your digital device like I'm doing right here. Wow, just got a really nervy sound. You want to hear it? I'm, I'm using a digital device to operate a digital device. So, I don't want you to expect too much in the, the, deep, the deep water this morning, because I'm giving you an overview, not of the entire book, but I want to talk with you about why this matters and why we should study it, along with everything else that we've studied. And, you know, if you think about it, we do primarily hear what we call expository preaching, which is, you know, we take a text, or frequently we take a book of the Bible, a letter, or a historical book, and, and we just work through it, right? For the most part, verse by verse, there'll be times where we'll, we'll skip a section because the stories are very similar to other stories, or for whatever reason, and we're actually going to do that in the book of Acts, there'll be some sections that we, that we jump over, it's not because they aren't important, um, but it might be something for you to go back and look at on your own. But as we do that, think about how long then it takes if this is your only consumption of the Bible each week, 
how long it takes us to get through the whole Bible if we're going to be faithful and preach the full counsel of God. Um, you know, back in the old days, when there was Sunday school, uh, and they still have them, these materials are still available across all of the different denominations, not just Southern Baptists, but, you know, we were Southern Baptists, so it was, it was Lifeway or the Home Mission Board had Sunday school materials, they had quarterly, a little book that you would get, uh, you know, before they did an announcement, uh, an actual paper book with, with, you know, words in it. And it would be pretty much, you, you could choose the Bible book series, and it would be verse by verse. Every Sunday morning, the Sunday school class would go verse by verse through uh, passages of Scripture and through entire books of the Bible. And I don't remember, I think it was somewhere around the range of eight to nine years it takes to go through the whole Bible in that way. So while we work through the entire book of Acts, which is going to take us all the way to Christmas, unless we, we split it and move it and come back to it. We haven't made up our minds about that yet, but right now we're, it's scheduled all the way to Christmas. I highly encourage you that as we're studying here, that you not make this your only engagement with the Bible throughout the week. That you are reading it for yourself. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be study, although that's good. Sometimes we can overstudy and miss just the nourishment of the word. I think sometimes it's good just to read it. Jesus said that that, that we, humanity, we don't exist on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there's a nourishing quality to the word of God that I'll touch on again here in just a moment. And so as a believer, as a Christian, I, I, I just caution you to not let this be the only time that you meditate on it, considering it when you read the word of God throughout your week. All right? But that is what we do here, and we're going to do it today. So... Why the book of Acts? The first answer is the easiest answer. Because it's in the Bible. We study it because it's in the Bible. We believe as Christians that the Bible is God's word given to us through inspiration. Uh, the hands that wrote these were writing down the very words of God transmitted to them, communicated to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as such, as the Bible teaches us, it's then good for study, for rebuke, for correction, and for understanding about God and about one another and about the world that we live in. And then secondly, that other thing that I mentioned, the Bible is the Word of God, and God gives us spiritual nourishment through His Word. So that's, the, that's why we'll study this passage. Um, secondly, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is the clearest message we have about the mission and practice of the church. Not just the early church, but those principles and ideas have, have, have been the same throughout the ages of history to today where we worship and we practice. Some of those things are, by the way, uh, the book of Acts was written somewhere in the range of 62 to 64, 65 A.D. C.E., if you're modern thinking. A.D., after the birth of Christ, right? So 
30 or so years after the crucifixion, and it's penned by Luke, the Apostle Luke, the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. So it wasn't something that came hundreds of years later as a retrospective. It was written from a what we would call a contemporary perspective, meaning that Luke lived, walked, ate, talked with Jesus, was there in what we'll hear about in a couple of weeks, the, the, the impartation of the Holy Spirit, the commissioning of the church, the very first work and effort that they then made in sharing the gospel after Jesus has been resurrected. Right there on the road, right there at the moment that it happened. And uh, when I say that those, the practice of the church, that it, it remains unchanged as God is unchanging, I don't mean the form of the church, although there are some echoes of that. I don't mean the style of music that we use, the way that people dress, um, the structure of the building, uh, programs that churches might have, things like Sunday school or not Sunday school, life groups. Those are not the things that are unchanging. Methodologies and forms can adapt to culture, uh, both within our own country and certainly when we go to other countries, uh, understanding the culture that we're speaking to and, and how to converse with folk. It's like conversations I've had with a friend of mine who spent a great deal of time in Africa doing missions work. It's uh, a very heavily honor code culture. And so there are certain things that we, sensibilities that we have as Americans that don't make sense at all in the context of their culture. And it's not just that we're being offensive in the way that we communicate, but we're actually not communicating. We're not speaking a language that they can understand in a cultural sense. So it's not about those things when I say it's unchanging. But uh, things like the mission of the church is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That remains unchanged. That is the purpose of the church. And then the purpose of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is to bring us, our neighbors, our friends, those who are lost and we who were lost, into a relationship with God where our sins have been forgiven and exchanged for the righteousness of Christ so that we can have communion with Almighty God. That's the purpose of the gospel. And the purpose of our being saved, the purpose of us being brought into that relationship is so that we give glory to God who alone is worthy of glory. Some of those other things that we still do today that are listed in uh, the story of the early church says that they gathered together they sang psalms and hymns, they read the scriptures, and they prayed with one another, and often they ate together. <laughs> we, could, we could do more of that, amen, especially post-COVID. Uh, we need to get back to having some times together where we break bread together in that way, just as a community. And so we see the echoes of those things still today in the church around the world, that those things still remain. Um, let's go to John Matthew chapter 28, 26. 
Matthew 28, verse 16. And I honestly can't remember if we've talked about this in the last few weeks. I, I feel like I've mentioned it. I, we didn't dig into it. But this is a passage of Scripture that we call the Great Commission. It is where Jesus, post-resurrection, having been witnessed by scores of people at this point, not just the women who went to the tomb and he revealed himself to them, not only the disciples who saw him in the upper room together, but if you read uh, scripture, you see that he actually made appearances where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people witnessed his physical presence after the resurrection. And this is kind of the culminating point right here, where he says, uh, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, isn't that interesting? As far as we can tell, because this is what the text says to us, the only ones present are the 11 disciples. Because Judas, of course, uh, has, has died by suicide, according to this. So there, there are no longer 12. They will become 12 again. But right now, it's the 11 remaining. And we think about these 11, and we'll hear some of these stories in the book of Acts. Uh, you might not be aware. Every single one of these eventually comes to stand for the gospel and no longer doubt. And every single one of them maintains that faith to the point of death when they're murdered, martyred for the cause of Christ. And I know that there are, there are those who think that uh, these stories are all fiction and who, even if they think they're not fiction, think that these guys were fooled, or they were masquerading. They were pretending to believe. But I think you would be hard-pressed to find 11 people who would subject, subject themselves to torture and to terror and to pain and to death for a cause or a person they didn't truly believe in. And the primary point of that belief, the thing that caused most of them to be martyred, was their insistence that Jesus was alive. Not just on what he taught, not just on the life that he lived, not even that he was who he said he was, but that in so doing, his resurrection proved everything that he said. And they would not renounce that even to the point of death. But here on this mountain, even after everything that they've seen, some still struggle. And I think that's important for us because there are times 
when it can be difficult, when the world around us isn't everything that we hope it would be, when our families encounter struggle or trial, as parents, when, when our kids encounter things or, or do things that are choices we wouldn't have made, and we think, well, that's not how I, that's not how I raised you. All of those things sometimes can challenge our faith because we wonder, where is God in the midst of these things? When tragedy falls, when, when pain is overwhelming, and I would say to you that I would not despair in those moments of struggle, those moments of doubt, because even those who walked with him, who saw every miracle he performed with their own eyeballs, whose hands were sometimes the active force of those miracles. See, there's the story of the feeding of the 5,000, where as, as the, the disciples took those baskets around from, from the few loaves and the few fish and fed Ten to 12,000 people out of those little morsels of food and had 12 baskets left over. Their hands were the action of the miracle right in front of their face. Can you imagine going from person to person to person? And as each one reached in, they just kept pulling out food. The Bible says everyone ate until they were full. And there was still food left over. There's a time when, when Jesus sends some of them out and they come back because they're so excited because they have, just as they watched Jesus cast devils out of people, they went out and they did the same. And they, they saw it with their own eyes through their own actions and the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And these same people come here to the mountain after they've seen Jesus nailed to the cross. His breath has left his body. He's been stowed away in the tomb. The stone's been put into place, and then the women go. The stone is rolled away. He gives them the commission, the first ones, to go and tell the good news. I'm alive. And then they see him. They touch him. They hug him. They eat food with him. He meets them on the beach, and they eat some fish and bread together on the beach. And still they come to the mountain at this moment, and some of them, what? Dying. And we have no record here. Anytime someone expressed doubt, you can think about Thomas, the disciple. You can think about the centurion who came and wanted Jesus to heal his child, but he didn't fully understand who Jesus was. He said, listen, I... I believe in the stories I've heard of you, but I don't really understand you, so, so help me even though I'm doubting. Not one of those times did Jesus pull his finger back and say, shame on you. Because he knows us. He understands us. And what he does in the face of that for us is the same thing that he does here. He says, press on. Why? Because we should just ignore it? No, because in pressing on and, and being faithful to what God's put before us, God begins to reveal himself in those things. We will see him in the detail if we press forward. So it says, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority is given 
in heaven and on earth and has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is, in my lifetime anyway, in the history of evangelical church work, a great deal of emphasis placed on the first word in this command. Go. And appropriately so. I mean, it's, it's an imperative. We are called to go. But it's interesting. Uh, there's, there's some... I, this, is, this is God work. I know that the ladies' uh, book study several times in the last several weeks things that we've been teaching about here on Sunday morning have just like collided with things that they've been talking about in the book study that they've been doing. And then the same thing has been happening in our uh, theology and uh, Baptist uh, history class. It's not, it's heritage and practice or something. I can never get the name of that class right. But um, Jason and I, as we've been having conversations about the church and the future and how we do things and what we do and why we do things, and just kind of, you know, digging into some of those, these things have all just intersected so beautifully. It gives us great courage and encouragement that God is really speaking among us and moving among us in the same ways. And one of them was about this, because as we had been looking uh, at some of the study materials surrounding this, we realized that perhaps in our own thinking, and maybe in some of that thinking that was communicated to us, and maybe, maybe we took it in the wrong way, or maybe it was communicated poorly, that the emphasis in this entire section actually rests on a different word than go. And it's the word make. Make disciples. Now, some would argue you have to go in order to make disciples, and I think that's fair. And again, I'm only speaking for me. So if this isn't your experience growing up, maybe you don't have to have a church experience growing up. But this is me. One of the things I became frustrated with early in ministry was what we called the, the open ends of the baptismal pool. And it was there was so much emphasis on getting people in our tradition to come down front and pray a prayer and accept Jesus that that's kind of where it stopped. We were highly invested in how many baptisms could we have every year. Uh, it was very competitive, and especially among Southern Baptists. And listen, the church that Connie and I grew up in, Karen, that's where I met Karen, was at youth group there. We were among a very elite group of churches in the United States who for several years baptized more than 100 people every year. The problem with that vast majority of those, those people didn't stay connected to the church. Or, if we were to look deeper, to any kind of meaningful spiritual life and development. And so we began to think of it as people run in the front of the baptistry and get baptized and they run out the back and out the back door and they're never seen again. In modern culture, uh, 
They might call that, some call it easy believism, which means uh, ABC, one, two, three, try after me. You get saved, but how are you actually becoming a disciple? How are you actually being formed into someone who is following after Christ? Because a disciple is one who learns the things of their master and then lives their life in a, in a way that's in accordance with what they've learned of their master and from their master. And that is exactly the language here. Are we supposed to go into our, our families, into our workplace, into our community, into other cultures across the world, across the continent? Of course, we have to go to be able to have the conversation. But what is our purpose there, and what should our purpose as believers together in Christ Community Church be? And our purpose is to become disciples of Jesus. Not, not just acknowledgers of Jesus. Oh, I know who Jesus is. I, I really like Jesus. In fact, I like Jesus a lot. But I don't want my life to reflect anything that it does. That is not a disciple. serve two masters, you can't. That passage that says that in the Bible is talking about money. You cannot love money and God because no one can serve two masters. But the principle can be applied anywhere in your life. You cannot love something to the extent that you follow its principles more than you love and follow the principles of Christ and call Christ your master. To do so means that you're not a disciple of the master. And this is the mission of the church. To experience everything that God has offered to us, to understand the magnificence of his grace, of his salvation towards us, and then take that into the world and, and help other people to understand it and embrace it in their lives. Now, we can't take the place of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God has to call people to him, but, but once he calls them and they respond, it is our job as fellow disciples to make them into disciples. Teaching them, what does it say? All of the things that I have commanded you. So those are the marching orders for the church at the beginning of the book of Acts. And with it, he gives this promise, which to me is so beautiful. As we take on these responsibilities, as we seek to fulfill the purpose of the church that God has given to us because of his mighty grace towards us, which we have received, we respond in love to fulfill the mission of the church. He says, and as you do this, I will never, ever, ever leave you alone. And for me, that's the thing that I run to when the doubts start knocking. And, and listen, friends, there are many times in my life where I've said, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? I don't understand. There have been other times where I've said, where are you? I don't see you in this moment. And I return to, to passages like this. Where he says, I promise you, you're not alone. And it reminds me that if I'm feeling alone, if I'm can't see where he is in this moment. It is realistically not God who has done it. It's me. And that's okay. What I just need to do is, even though it may not make sense, it may not be still become radically apparent to me in the moment that he's with me, is return to the promise. Because my faith is in the one who keeps his promises. That's the nature of faith, by the way. It's holding on, and it doesn't seem like it everywhere else. So, last couple of points here. Why do we study the book of Acts? Why are we going to do this? Because it is a testament that should resonate with us today of God's desire and ability to work with the winner. We see story after story of, uh, and this is it, even in the face of, of difficult odds, that God is willing to work with you, God is willing to come alongside you in your life and, and do miraculous things and give miraculous opportunities and, and give you the, op- the opportunity, the, the position to teach and to instruct and, and to, to benefit someone else in their relationship with Christ. We see, we'll see through this, the arc of this story many, many times when things are difficult, when things don't make sense. When decisions are made that then have to be unmade and they have to go in a different direction, that God still, as we, as they were willing, God was willing to come alongside them and be with them. And he puts the evidence to that last thing, that I will never leave you. He puts it into practice. And that should be encouraging to us from the standpoint of the early church, as well as to how God still operates today because he is unchanging. And then finally, we will see that the purpose of the book of Acts, the purpose was for the gospel, the church, his body, us, his believers, to to join together, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the way the book of Acts describes it, to Jerusalem, which is your hometown, to Samaria, all of the lands around you, and even to the end of the earth, to every place that as, as the globe spins and flies through space and, and the light of the sun comes down, every place that the sunlight can touch as it makes its revolutions around the sun, the gospel is going to go there. And it will be through the hands and the feet and the mouths of his church We do that sometimes through direct missions, you know, going places and telling people about Jesus. We do that through supporting people who are uh, sharing the gospel to Greasers uh, throughout Canada and Alaska with the network, the SEND network, and the people that are all out there serving every day in communities that are difficult to serve in around the state of Alaska. We do that with the Bats family over there 
on the, the far eastern edge of Canada, ministering to a wildly unchurched environment there, almost hostile to the gospel in such a secular society. We do that through our gifts to national missions and international missions and those funds go out to those places. That's why we do all of those things. It's because we're trying to fulfill that vision of our hometown, the world around us, and even to the ends of the earth, places that we, we don't even know about. I hope that in the next several weeks, I don't know, somebody from Council Beach from now till Christmas, <laughs> from now till Christmas, we are, uh, we're going to hear these stories. Some of them are so relevant to the times we live in. I think it'll be enriching for us. And here's my prayer, and I hope that you will join with me, join with Pastor Jason in praying in this way. That as we do, we collectively will catch a greater vision for the purpose of Christ Community Church in our Jerusalem, in our Samaria, in our ends of the earth. And that God will, will infuse us with power as he did here in the beginning of the book of Acts. Empower to boldly share the gospel. And in so doing, have the opportunity to make disciples who then will go and make disciples. Who then will go and make disciples of as many as possible can be rescued out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. That's my hope. I think it's going to be a great time. I think it's going to be a great series. And I hope you'll come and join us for that. All right. It is great to see you here this morning. Uh, we're going to close with some music and ask the worship team to come back and join us here. And uh, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word preserved for us down through time to this moment. What a miracle that is just in and of itself. That uh, these words penned by your servant Luke generations and generations ago can instruct us today, give us hope and direction, um, insight into what to do when things are great and even what to do when things aren't so great. Lord, that they also will remind us that sometimes there's a a heavy cost to discipleship. But Lord, that the reward that you promised to us is so much greater than we thought. And so Lord, I pray that you would prepare the way for our worship and our words to teach us fellowship together. Lord, to honor you and to us up, to charge us, to increase our knowledge, Lord, as well as our love for you and the one around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I would like you to stand with me for our song, if you don't.
mind if you'd like to. You don't have to. Do you feel the world is broken?